Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Our group's finished up. We've been going through John Mark Comer's book, A Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And if you have not read the book, if you've just done the study, the study's great, uh, but it's a very condensed version. If <laughs> okay, let's put a slide up on the screen telling everybody now to silence their cell phones. Um, if you uh, have just done the study, the study is great, but the study is a very condensed version. I encourage you, if you get a chance, um, to go get a copy of the book and read the book. It's called A Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And uh, it will, if you allow it, it'll change your life. It'll open your mind to some thoughts that you probably didn't think about before. And it's been very good. I believe it's very timely. Um, I've said this for the last couple weeks that uh, we're in a season where God is uh, expanding our capacity. God is calling us to be a house of love and to love people well is something that we've been saying often. We want to be a church that loves people well. And we've been saying to love people well requires us to live at a pace and a rhythm where you are rested and refreshed so that we have capacity to love people well. Amen? When you're running life fast and doing as much as you can and cramming as many things into your life and your schedule as you can possibly cram in there, your capacity is diminished or it gets smaller and you're not able to do everything well. And so we want to live a life and a lifestyle where we have the capacity and the ability to love people like Jesus loved people. Amen? So today we're going to talk about, the title of my message today is Living Life at the Speed of Jesus. We're going to live life at the speed of Jesus. Has anybody here ever rented a boat before or rented jet skis? Only like six people, for real? I love jet skis. I love them. I don't know what it is. I love jet skis way more than boats. I think because a jet ski is just you on it. And I love, I remember the last time we rented some jet skis, we were with the kids, and Josiah was on the back of the jet ski. Oh, man. And it was my goal to throw Josiah off the jet ski. I would crank that thing up and get it going as fast as I possibly could. And then with a jet ski, what you can do is literally turn on a dime. And so we'd be going, and I would crank that wheel and send Josiah flying off the back. And I would laugh like a madman. I just thought it was the best thing ever. I love jet skis. Uh, the one part that I hate about jet skis, though, is when you rent them, you are in, like, the marina. And there's boats everywhere, and there's people, and there is signs everywhere that say, dead slow. Have you seen these signs? Dead slow. And it says dead slow, and it means that you have to get on the jet ski and basically let the jet ski idle its way out of the marina to open water where you can finally crank it up. And for me, it is the hardest, like, three minutes of that whole, of that whole experience because you're just sitting there, you're steering it, you're feeling like this thing is going slow as you could possibly imagine, and then you finally, there's a feeling when you pass that, like, when you pass that last buoy that says dead slow, 
And you see it coming. You see it. It's like where it's like where Marlene's at. It's like that far away. And I see it coming. And I slowly start speeding up because it's coming. I can see it coming. And you finally pass that buoy, and you crank. Something happens. But it's that first few minutes of riding a jet ski at dead slow speed. But I want to tell you something. Dead slow is not really a bad thing. In fact, dead slow is safe and it's calm. And actually, really, like when you're cruising on that jet ski at dead slow speed, that's probably the one, two, three minutes of my entire time where I'm able to really enjoy the environment I'm in. I'm able to look around at like the beauty of the lake. I'm able to stick my hand in the water as I cruise really slow. You know what I'm talking about? When you're on a boat and your boat's going really slow and you stick your hand over the edge and you just let it go through the water. You're like, ah, so refreshing. This is amazing. You know what I'm talking about? And you're really experiencing the lake. You look at the sun, you're like, it's hot out. It feels good on my skin. There's no wind at 200 kilometers an hour making me freeze. I'm just really enjoying it. But that only happens when you're going slow. And so today we're going to talk about life at the speed of Jesus. And so open your Bible with me to John chapter 14. And we're going to start at a very familiar passage of scripture. Um, Jacob, can you grab me this stool over here? in the corner. I would really appreciate that. Um, And we're going to start in John chapter 14 and a very familiar portion of scripture. Jesus is talking and he says, thanks man, appreciate it. Um, He says this, John chapter 14, and I'm today I'm reading from the NIV and we'll look at the New King James and a little bit of NLT. And we got a lot of scriptures we're going to look at and read today, okay? So I hope you have your Bible. I hope you have your iPhone or your iPad or something to follow along with. Um, so Jesus is talking, and he makes a comment and says he's going to his father's house. And in, in my father's house are many mansions, the New King James says. And he says, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And, and he says these things. And then Thomas says, I don't know what you're talking about is what Thomas says. And then Jesus replies to Thomas, and he says in verse 6, Jesus answered, and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we all know this scripture really well. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And a lot of times we talk about, you know, Jesus being the truth, We talk about Jesus being our life, and we talk about, even in context, Jesus being the way. Jesus is the way to heaven. Jesus, through through Jesus and the work that he did, we have salvation, right? But the aspect we don't talk a lot about Jesus being the way is Jesus being the model and the way for us to live our life. And if you read through the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see a picture of who Jesus was and how Jesus lived his life. And if you see who Jesus was and how Jesus lived his life, it is a model for you to follow. And to say, well, if Jesus lived his life like this, then we can live our lives like this, and we should live our life the same way that Jesus did. Is that a pretty safe assumption? So when Jesus said, I am the way, the, the Greek word there is um, hodos, and it means a road, 
uh, by implication, a progress or a process. It means the route or the act or the distance. It's a way of thinking. So Jesus said, I am the way. And he says that the actual Greek word is, it's a way of thinking. It's a way of feeling. It's a way of acting. It's a manner of life and conduct. So when Jesus was saying, I am the way, he wasn't just saying, I am the only way to heaven. We know that's the truth. Yes, Jesus is the way to heaven. But he was also saying, I am the way to live your life. I am the way to think. I am the way to feel. I am the way to act. I am how you're supposed to conduct your life. Jesus saying, basically he's saying, look at me and live your life the way that I lived my life. I am the way to live. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit. Now, when Jesus said this, He's speaking to Thomas and the other disciples who are good Jewish boys. And, and Jewish boys knew what the Torah said, which we call part, part of the Torah is the Old Testament that we have. And so they all knew this. And so we're going to look at a couple of scriptures together real quick. And we're going to read these from the New King James translation, okay? And so Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 32 and 33 says this. Um, it says, therefore, this is Moses talking. You should be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that you may be well with you and that you may maybe prolong your days, sorry, (laughs) which you shall possess. So it's talking there in verse 3, you shall walk in all the ways which your Lord God has commanded you. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21. It says this, Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Wherever you turn to the right hand or wherever you turn to the left. But it says, This is the way, walk in it. Okay, Psalm verse 27 verse 11 says this, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in your smooth path because of the enemies. So we're looking at these scriptures. Why? Because Jesus' response was, I am the way. And he was talking to Jewish people who understood that there was a way of life that they were called to live. There was instructions. There was, there was certain things they were called to do. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, he's referring to there was a way, and now I am that way. And so when you live your life, you are called to live your life looking like Jesus. It is, isn't it? I love it too. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So part of the way of life that Jesus lived was there was a pattern and a habit and a rhythm of rest in Jesus' life. The last two weeks, we've kind of slowly worked our way through this. The first week we talked about, you know, basically we set a foundation for understanding or trying to hope and see, help us see if we lived lives that were going too fast, if we suffered from hurry sickness, if we suffered from being too busy. 
And so we're working our way through this, and now here we are, the last week we're going to spend on this, looking at Jesus' way being the way that we're called to live. And Jesus' way was a life in a rhythm of rest. So we know that Jesus was a good Jewish boy himself. And so every week, every week of his life, Jesus would celebrate the Sabbath, which was 24 hours, where he would set aside to spend time worshiping. He would stop from his work, he would rest, he would celebrate, and he would worship God. They would have food, they would spend time in the presence of God, they would spend time in their community, they would spend time with their family, and they were resting. This is Jesus' life. And as I, was, as I was thinking about this morning, it kind of blew my mind a little bit, thinking about Jesus, who when he began his public ministry, he's got three and a half years that we know of now, in hindsight, but here he is in the middle of his ministry being busy uh, helping people, right? Like really helping people, setting people free, raising people from the dead, feeding all kinds of people, doing miraculous miracles, making the blind see and, and, and making those that are deaf to hear again and all kinds of things, people that can't walk. This is Jesus. But in the midst of his life uh, that he was living and doing, in the midst of what we would call good things, what does Jesus do every week? He pauses and stops and he rests and he puts his mind and he puts his attention towards the Lord towards his community of believers, spending time being rested and refreshed in the presence of God, knowing that from that place, he could continue on to go do all that God had called him to do. Remember, we talked about this in the first week that we did this, is we are called to work from a place of rest. We don't work to rest we work from rest. Remember we looked at how God made the heavens and the earth and Adam's first day, man's first day on the planet was a day of rest. We're called to work from a place of rest. And Jesus modeled that for us. So in all of our busyness and all that you're doing and all the good things that you think you're doing, you're not called to live life at a breakneck speed. You're not called to go as fast as you possibly can until you burn out because when you burn out, that doesn't help anybody. And that usually ends in destruction of some kind. And so we're called to live a sustainable rhythm of life so that you can run the race that God has set before you. And if you're running too fast, you will run out of steam. Am I alone in this place today? Are you, are you listening? Are you processing? Are you finding rocks to get ready to throw? <laughs> if you're finding rocks, just put up your hand so I have fair warning so I can run and hide behind this screen or something. The other thing we see in Jesus' life is that Jesus often retreated to places of silence and solitude to be by himself, to be refreshed in the presence of the Lord. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, we see that there are no less than nine times where Jesus retreats. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, let's look there together so we can see this all together. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So let's go to the book of Luke chapter 4. That's where we're going to start. And this is Luke chapter 1, 2, and 3 is, you know, Jesus' birth and the whole story there. And then we get to chapter 4, and it's the beginning of Jesus' 
public ministry. And this is what we see right off the bat. It says in Luke chapter 4, in verse 1, says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Um, he had just been baptized at the end of chapter 3. That's when the Bible says that a dove descended on him. And the people that were there heard a voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And I just want to remind you guys one more time. And I'll probably remind you about this every time we look at this scripture. When Jesus was baptized and the dove descended, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus, and the voice spoke saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, I want to remind you that was before Jesus had done anything. God is just pleased in who you are as his son or as his daughter. There's nothing that you got to do to make Jesus love you more. You don't got to keep doing crazy work. So he says, oh, now I finally see you. Amy, I finally see you. You've been doing all these amazing things for me. And because you've worked so hard, I finally see you. I finally recognize you. You are my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. No, Jesus loves you, Ashley, because you are his daughter. You are his beloved daughter in whom he is well pleased regardless of anything you could ever do for him. And so then we see the lineage and then in verse 4 or verse 1 of chapter 4 it says Jesus full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So right off the bat at the beginning of his public ministry we see Jesus take off into the wilderness to be by himself to be alone. And then we see Jesus come back. If you go into chapter 4, you see him come back. He goes to church. He opens the scroll. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to do these things. And then the place explodes. And all kinds of people are bringing their, their sick and their possessed and their hurt and their wounded to Jesus for him to heal. And if you look in verse chapter, the same chapter, at the end of this chapter, in verse 40, let's look there. We see this taking place. In verse 40. It says, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you're the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Verse 42 says, at daybreak. Everybody say, at daybreak. Jesus went out to a solitary place. So we see here again, bookends of this chapter. With Jesus starting his ministry, he takes off to a solitary place, to a desolate place, to a place all alone with him and the Lord. He goes out there for 40 days. And at the end of this chapter, when Jesus has been doing amazing miracles, he's been setting people free. And the Bible says, at daybreak, Jesus gets up before anybody else is awake, before his disciples are still asleep. Peter's still in there snoring away, just taking his time, having a leisurely morning. Jesus gets up and goes off by himself to be alone, to live a life in a rhythm of rest. You can't live your life doing what God has called you to do without instituting Rhythms and habits of rest in your life. I'm not talking about natural rest. I'm talking about spiritual rest. I'm talking about deep rest. Rest that comes from being refreshed in the presence of the Lord. Rest where you put away your cell phone, you put away your iPad, you put away your computer, you don't look at social media, and you go for a walk. 
you and the Lord, and you spend time in his presence, and you go and you look at mountains, and you look at rivers, and you look at grass, and you walk your dog, and you spend time with the Lord, and you allow him to begin to speak to you about you, and you allow him to begin to speak to you about your life, and you'll notice when you institute this rhythm and habit into your life, you will be refreshed in your soul. Listen, you can take a day off, and you can sit at home, and you can watch Netflix all day long, and order yourself a pizza, and sit on the couch, and I guarantee you, at the end of that day, you won't feel more refreshed deep down inside. We've all tried this, haven't we? You know what I'm going to do today? Nothing. Scientists have discovered that it actually takes less brain activity to watch TV than it does to sleep. Less brain activity. When you're watching TV, your brain is less active than when you're sleeping. So you're not getting real rest. You're not getting refreshing rest. You're getting like this fleshy, like, I'm just chilling. I'm just vegging. My brain is literally going into neutral and not doing anything. But when you are in the presence of the Lord, your soul is refreshed. Your spirit is revived so that you are able to continue on the journey that God has called you to. And if you don't get that kind of rest, you're not going to be able to continue the road that he has called you to walk on because it will be hard. In this world, you will have trouble. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. But to continue to walk that road, you've got to be rested and refreshed so that you can go where he's called you to go, so that you can be who he's called you to be. So, I am the way. So, we're talking about the way. Jesus is the way. And we can look and see in the life of Jesus that his way was a way of rest. His way was a life and a habit and a pattern of resting and being refreshed in the presence of his Father. And so, if Jesus did that, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, who is God, if Jesus pulled away, and removed himself and excused himself from all of life's busyness. Don't you think that we need to have those patterns and habits in our life as well? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it too, Cam. We're all doing it. We're doing it. This isn't... This isn't like a good idea, like, hey, maybe you should kick this around. This is, this is something the Lord desires. The Lord desires his people to live a life in him of refreshing and rest. It's not like, hey, you know what, maybe I'm going to throw this out there. Maybe you should just like kick it around. You do what you want to do with it. Like, yeah, you can do what you want with this concept but I want to tell you it's the Lord's desire for you to walk in this I mean we looked at that we looked in Genesis we realized that God created man and the first day that man was there man woman he said let's rest his desire is for you to be refreshed and fueled ready to go for the calling that he's called you and here's the thing everybody has a calling everybody in this room 
has a calling on their life. Everybody in this room has a race that you are called to run. There's a reason besides sex that you're here. You're not just here because your parents had sex and you're a mistake and you just happen to show up. You're here because God chose you to be here now in the history and pages of time. And if God chose you to be here and now in the pages of history, that means there is something that you are called to do. There's a race that you're called to run. And for you to run that race requires that you are refreshed in his presence, requires that you go to his presence. Listen, I can tell by your faces that some of you are not even sure what the race you're called to run is. And you're only ever going to find out what that race is. You're only ever going to find out what God's called you to do in life from where? Resting and being in his presence. Let me say it this way. Let my American side come out for a second. Please don't be offended. You're only ever going to know if you allow yourself to get in God's presence and shut up long enough to hear him talk to you. Levi, my fellow American, understands. <laughs> but it's the truth. So often we talk so much. And you know what? The Lord is just so gracious and he's so kind. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody who just will not quit talking? <laughs> I'm a very polite person. And it, it takes a lot for me to interrupt somebody. But sometimes when somebody is talking and it's just like a one-way conversation, in my mind, on the outside, I'm smiling and nodding and agreeing and doing the, doing the great, like, yeah, that's great, good, yes, yes, following along. But in my heart, in my mind, I'm saying, I wish this person would just quit talking long enough so that I could say something. I feel like I have something that I could say right now that would really help this person. But they just seem to quit talking long enough for me to say it. And the Lord is like that with us sometimes. Just go to his presence and, and sit there. And here's the thing. like, I'm, Guys, I'm way off book here. These notes are like somewhere else. And we're almost out of time. But the Lord wants you to come in his presence. And it's okay for you to go in his presence and just sit and listen. I, I grew up, and this could be, I'll, I'll blame myself for this. Because I can't imagine anybody would have taught me this. But for some reason, in my upbringing, in the circle that we traveled in, for some reason, I thought that when you were praying, you literally, your mouth had to be moving the whole time. And one day, my eyes were open, and I realized, you know, if prayer, because we kept saying that prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a two-way conversation. And I realized if prayer really was a two-way conversation, that meant that at some point, I had to quit talking long enough to allow the Lord to speak back to me. And so I have instituted into my life times where I just go sit in the presence of God. And listen, I will tell you, making your mind be quiet is one of the hardest things that you could ever practice. But I am trying, I am working to get to myself at a place where I can come and sit in the presence of God and sit down and close my eyes and close my mouth and just sit there. 
and just put my mind and my heart squarely on him and allow him to speak to me. You're never going to know who you were created to be and what you were created to do unless you allow the Lord to speak to you. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that he needed to allow himself to live a rhythm and a rest pattern in his life where he went away and was refreshed by the presence of God, where he was with his Father so the Spirit of God could minister to him. So that when you go into that presence, that you are revived and refreshed. So that God is pouring into you. So that God is filling you up. Because as you go through life, you will get depleted. Let's call ourselves little cars. And we all know cars have gas tanks. And we all love our gas tanks. And we all love how much they empty out so fast, don't we? And so when your gas tank is empty, you got to go back to the gas station and fill it back up. You're the same way. We're the same way. And for most of us, our sources of filling are not the presence of the Lord. They are natural, earthly things. But God is saying, I want to be your filling station. I want to be the place that you come to get filled up with what I have for you. I want to fill you up with my words. I want to fill you up with my life. I want to fill you up with my love. I want to fill you with my patience and my peace and my goodness. I want to fill you up with me so that you can turn around and go away and give me away to everybody you encounter. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We're done-ish here. We were going to look at Matthew about Jesus saying, Come to me, you all who are weary, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I sure didn't for a long time. But when Jesus said that in that scripture, he isn't saying, give me all your burdens and you won't have any more. What he actually says is, come to me, you who are tired and weary. Take my burden on you. So you're exchanging yours for his. His is a burden of love. And a burden of love won't wear you out. A burden of love won't burn you out because as you do everything in love, as you serve in love, it gives you life. Yeah, thanks. I want to end in Isaiah. I want you to go back here. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 30 in verse 15. And... Um, this didn't really go the way that I was thinking it was going to go this morning. But you know what? doesn't really matter, does it? As I was getting ready for today, I was thinking a lot about um, Mary and Martha and that whole story of Jesus going and Martha's running around the house like crazy. And Mary's just sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha gets mad because she's doing all the work. And Mary's just chilling out with Jesus. You know this story? Martha comes and tells on her to Jesus. 
And Martha gets a polite rebuke from Jesus. Basically says no to what she asks for. And he said, um, well, in the NIV, it says it really well, actually. Uh, let me look at it. Uh, it doesn't matter. Basically, he says that she's chose, like, the one thing that matters. And that one thing that matters is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because at the feet of Jesus is where you will find everything that you have need of. The wisdom that you're seeking, the understanding, the love, the forgiveness, the healing, the the removal of the walls that you've built around yourself, the chains being broken off, the addictions being taken away. All those things are found at the feet of Jesus. And I came across this scripture in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15 yesterday. And it says this. This is what the sovereign Lord says, okay? So I want you to close your eyes while I read this. Because as I was getting ready, I feel like the Lord was saying this to us. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me, and resting in me will you be saved. And quietness and confidence is your strength. I'm going to read that again. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. And quietness and confidence is your strength. Returning to the Lord and resting in him is your salvation. So what I want to do to wrap this up this morning is I want to give us a moment to return to the Lord and rest in him. And I want to have the worship team come back up here. I want you guys to lead us in a song. And as they do this, I'm picturing in my heart and in my mind, I'm picturing Mary at the feet of Jesus, sitting at his feet, listening. And so what I'd like to do is just have a few moments you know, this, this, this whole last three weeks has been trying to help us understand that we don't have to hurry through life. We want to live life at the pace of Jesus. And I talked about this today because last week when I was speaking, I kept saying, kept using this example about how many of us had run ahead of Jesus like little kids that run ahead of their parents and the parents are always calling them back. And I feel like the Lord is calling us to a place where we walk beside him at the pace that he walks, that we live life with him. And for many of us, there are probably things in our life that we need to begin to carve away and remove. They may be good things, but they may not be God things. And so we need to begin to create in our life margins and boundaries so that we are able to be the people that God has called us to be. 
so that you have the capacity to walk in the giftings and the grace that God has called you to walk in. We don't want to be people that are moving through life so fast that when somebody reaches out for help, we can't help them because we have 17 other jobs or lists or items to go take care of. And so I want you to stand up with me. And what I would like to do is just spend a few minutes worshiping the Lord. We're not in a hurry. We've got hot chocolate outside after this. But I don't want you to leave for hot chocolate just yet. And it's good hot chocolate. It's Chef Jordan hot chocolate. It's not, it's not carnation hot chocolate. But put that out of your mind for a minute, if you can. And I, I want Isaiah 30, verse 15. In returning to the Lord and in rest will be your salvation. I want to take just a few moments where we, we turn our hearts back towards Him and we rest in His presence. And so as the team begins to worship God, I want to, you know, this place, this, this, this space up here is what we typically call in churches the altar. You're like, well, you could, you don't have to go to two services yet. You could throw more chairs in the front. Well, we could. But then we would remove this space at the front that we want to make sure we leave open for people to come to the altar as a symbol of leaving things behind and coming to the front and meeting with the Lord face to face. And so you, you can stay there. You can, you can worship there. You can sit down in your chair there. You can do whatever you want. But if you want to, you can come to the front here like Mary was at the feet of Jesus and just sit at Jesus' feet and allow him to minister to you. You know, maybe, maybe some of you need to sing at the top of your lungs. Maybe some of you need to sit quietly and stop talking so the Lord can speak to you. But what I want to do for a few minutes is to come into His presence, to return to the Lord and rest in Him so that we are revived and we are refreshed and we are restored so that we can continue to run the race. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that His Spirit, His love, and His life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.